0: Lifeway, Lifeway.
1: Leadership. LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to Ask Me Anything. My name is Matt Love. I'm here with J.D. Greer and uh, Pastor J.D., uh, Again, a question that I cannot believe has not been covered on the podcast. I really can't believe it, um, but a question I know that you get asked a lot and that I think will be will be one that a lot of people will be interested in. So, so J.D., why is Summit a multi-site church? Why does Summit use the multi-site model? So you're telling me we're on our 79th Ask Me Anything question, yes. and this has never come up yet. It's never come up. We were trying to, I guess, maybe give you get you into the flow of it a little bit before we made you answer this one. I don't know.
1: Well, I will say I do get questions still pretty regularly about um, about whether or not, what, like, is this bizarre? Is this a fad? Is this just pragmatic? Is it unbiblical? Are we pushing the biblical lines? Um, and so I, I think we initially, we kind of stumbled onto it. Um, <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but when we first came up with it as a solution, I'm sure I heard it somewhere and forgot where I heard it, but um, I thought I'd invented it. I was so excited about what if I think we this? stick with that. And I would go with did- that story. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was explaining it and guys like, yeah, there's, there's some people that are doing that. And, and I was, I was so deflated. Um, think it, it was 2005. Um, and we did it because we were, we're simply out of room at a public school. We had sold our facility. We're all in this public school. And, um, they told us we could not have any more services there and we were maxed to capacity. And so we had bought this other little piece of property that we hoped to build on and it had a little auditorium that could seat a hundred or so. And so we started to stagger services and I get in the car and go back. Back and forth and do them. And, and it really, and, and then when we, we, we moved down about 20 minutes South of where we were to where we eventually did get land. Um, we, we, we looked at this one piece of property that still had that place on it. And there were a group of people and they were just thriving and growing. And we thought, well, what if we just left it there? And that was sort of the beginning of, of multi-site since that time we've stuck with it because we do believe it's both biblical and we believe it's practically helpful. And so we have embraced it, not just as a temporary inconvenience, but now as a, as a, as not, not the strategy for every church or in every, every area, but for us, the most effective way of accomplishing the great commission and fulfilling the biblical, the biblical purposes for the church.
0: Okay. So you mentioned it a couple of times that it's one of the the part of this question that you get asked is, is whether or not it's biblical. So, I mean, how, how would you answer that? Is multi-site a biblical option?
1: Well, there's a really popular kind of uh, critique that says, Hey, church ecclesia, that word actually means assembly. And so how can you have a church that doesn't assemble all at once? But um, that is, I think, a a, a rather, let's just say, not a careful way to use a Greek term because assembly, yes, that is what ecclesia means. But the essence of a church, essence of a local church is the covenant. Um, and so one of the functions that it does is it assembles, and that ought to be a regular part of what it does, but the essence of a church is a covenant together. And because of that, um, you know, it's not like the church is not meeting when any members are not present. Um, they're, they're still members by virtue of the fact that they're part of the covenant. And so um, we believe that churches should assemble. We believe that it ought to be regularly, but there's nowhere we think in the New Testament that you see evidence that... All of them have together at the same time in the same room where it's not really an assembly. Um, I mean, you do have evidence, 1 Corinthians 11, that's you, know, you got a local church assembled together, but you can also see evidence of a, of a single local church that met in multiple locations. A good example of that is the church at Jerusalem that is frequently referred to in the singular one church, Acts 8, one. I think 15.4, but obviously simply because of the space restrictions in Jerusalem that they met from house to house, even though they considered themselves one church. I just don't think that the New Testament demands or even uniformly models that This specific way that all members of one church have to meet in one place at one time. By the way, let's just be clear that if a multi-site church is not biblical, neither is a multi-service church. And it's just by necessity, sometimes you, you, you do that. We at the summit, we don't ever have our campuses in other cities. Because we think that it all ought to be part of a local church, but we think that a local church, one covenant body, can meet in multiple locations and times for you know for different reasons.
0: Okay, so I think that's a helpful thing to unpack. So, are you saying there's some in the New Testament? There's just some flexibility on how some of these things are kind of played out. Yeah,
1: I want to be careful, but I do think the New Testament is not as detailed and prescribed. I think there are certain values that are put in there, but I think in different situations you have you have some flexibility in how church is you know expressed and so there are places where a house church model is going to be better there are places like in Jerusalem where it's like I mentioned, you know, all over meeting in different houses, but as one body. And I think in our day, when you've got technology where it is, rather than building one big gargantuan six flags over Jesus kind of building, I think that there are some advantages to taking advantage of technology and having people assemble in different locations rather than asking them to drive 45 minutes to come to, to, to this one location.
0: So um, you mentioned at the beginning, you know, some of the kind of like, big overview of why Summit did this and some was a little pragmatic, but just kind of unpack that a little bit. What was, what were some of the reasons that you felt and Summit leadership and elders felt like this was the right, this is the right way to go?
1: Yeah, I give you a handful of things, Matt. Number one, we thought it was the most effective way to reach people, especially in our city. It allowed us to have a greater reach. I always say to people, um, I'm flattered that they would drive 40, 45 minutes to come to our church. I think a good church is worth that kind of drive, but here's the reality. The person that you just met at Starbucks or the person in your neighborhood that barely knows Jesus at all, or doesn't know him is probably not going to drive 45 minutes to a church. They have no comp you being compelled to. That's good. Yeah. So, so we thought, well, um, rather than telling people to do that, why not put a, you know, Why not put the church, make it more accessible to them in their area? And that, um, so evangelistically, it just seemed like it was, it was more effective. It was also a way, you know, um, I'll just add that we could actually disciple people better. You know, if you're, if you're driving 30, 45 minutes to go to church, you're going to be involved once a week at, at most. Um, now you know when when churches are within fifteen minute drive, then then you're more likely to get your kids involved, your family. It's more likely to be a, a hub for you. So that, that was one. It, it allowed us to to best reach people and accomplish the purposes of the church. A second thing is that it was the best way for us to keep pace with growth. Um, people always say, "Well, why don't you just plant churches?" I, I appreciate that sentiment. Hopefully, you know a listener will know that we are very committed to planting churches yep, here. Sure. Um, you know, we planted you know about four hundred, I think, total independent yep. churches uh, overseas and, and domestically, and some right here in Raleigh-Durham. But here's the reality. Anybody that says that as like the, you know, you shouldn't go multi-site plant churches, I don't think has probably ever really tried to use church planting as a way of dealing with growth in your own church. And, and I, I just make it really practical. So at one of our campuses, uh, let's say I got a, we got a campus, one of them has 1,500 people in it. Look, if, if we stand up and say we want to plant a church, you know, 10, 15 minutes down the road, no matter how long we talk about it, no matter how much I, I plead, we might get 40 to 50 people. And that would actually be huge. Yeah. 40 to 50 people to uproot their lives and leave this church and go plant another church um, with a new pastor, new leader, new ministries. 40 to 50 people in a campus of 1,500, Matt, we would replace that within weeks. <laughs> yeah. It would make no change in the the, the the space problems at our church. Um, if we were to say we're going to do a new campus, it's likely out of that campus of 1,500, we could send out 600 people, which we've done. Yep. No, 600 people, that is some some room for growth. So the answer is we do both. We do both church planting and we do campus multiplication. One of our pastors says it like this. He says, we actually plant churches in places where we don't have people coming from And we plant campuses in places where we do, because I realized that, yes, maybe if I could wave a wand and make everybody just magically leave in church plant, it's just, that's not how people are. And so, we know that that church planting is never church planting is a way of growing the church. It's never a way of dealing with the problem of growth in our own church. Yeah, I,
0: I think that's I think that is very helpful perspective because I do think that is one of the biggest responses. Like, well, why don't you just plant churches? Right. But it's like, yeah, we we are working very hard to do that as quickly as I think we possibly can, and there's just still a reality here that we want to. I think be good stewards of the the harvest and the people that God is bringing to the right. summit, and so it's and just not to be... give a
1: not to give a line here, Matt, but but actually, it's our multi site strategy that has actually I think been one of the greatest greatest catalysts for our church planning, in agree. terms of raising up leaders, in terms of getting people with a mentality that they don't have to they they they, they can be flexible and they and they go. I mean, we just sent out our thirteen hundredth member who's left our church, not to go to another campus, but to go plant another church in places like Denver, Orlando.
0: Well, I think my favorite thing about that stat is we've sent about 1,300 people, or just North America, we've sent over 600. There are over 19,000 people worshiping at the mm. churches that that 600 have gone out to help start. Right. And that's the, that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're going for. Yes. Yeah, so. so,
1: yes, absolutely multi churches. So let me make sure, because I think this is a, an important dimension of this. Multi-site is not in competition to church planting. Multi-site is in competition to building one huge gargantuan building. That is the alternative. If we were going to really try to deal with our growth, we would, if we didn't do multi-site, we couldn't do it through church planting. What we would have to do is build a, you know, eight, nine, 10,000 seat auditorium. Well, for us right now, it'd be almost a 12, 13,000 seat auditorium. And that would, you know, hopefully Lord willing, we would outgrow that. I mean, at some point it just, it's not, Cost effective. I don't know if you can start getting the land for that yeah. kind of, of stuff. And so it's just easier and more effective. It's more efficient. It's better for transitions later. Um, You know, people will say, well, what do you have a cult of personality where all these people are? And, and we would say, well, I mean, that's something we're obviously always trying to to fight against. But I actually think we're better set up for transition than we would if we had one big auditorium that sat 10, 15,000. Because how hard is it to replace? that leader. Um, you know, we've talked about if at the summit church, if, you know, if something were to happen to me and and there were just not the right leader that were raised up, that would be able to continue on. I mean, Hey, we, we've got, you know, 12 campuses, let's, they can become 12 independent churches. Yeah. And we've, our elders have even said that if there were ever a campus and some of the leadership there, and we all were in agreement that, a particular campus could do a more effective job at reaching their community if they were an independent church plant. And we would happily do that, um, and, and, and release them. It's just for right now, that's not been our, if right now our experience is we can better accomplish reaching people and discipling them doing this than, than, than not doing it.
0: That's really good. All right. So JD, last question, this is a quick one, but you know, we obviously, if you're going to do multi-site, like it's kind of based on what you're saying about church planting, you would say we wouldn't just plant a campus like in Denver or Orlando. So where is kind of the, the line for where a campus is, is belongs?
1: Well, again, if you think of that, that statement that we plant campuses in places where we have people coming from and a campus, a, a, another campus is the replacement for a large gargantuan building, the people in Orlando and Denver are not driving to Raleigh every weekend to come to church. So it's not like having a campus there. They need to find their own church out there because they need to be a part of something that is local. We think there is something about the local church that ought to be, dare I say it, local, <laughs> because we think there is kind of a, a community feel that a church ought to have. Uh, people in Orlando and Denver don't share that you know, with us. And so we, we say, look, um, we're not having to not build a big building because people from Orlando and Denver are coming. What we need out there is, New leaders and a, a church that hopefully share some of the same values we have. And that's why we'd say outside of the Triangle area, we plant independent churches. Inside the Triangle area, we plant campuses. And sometimes we've done several independent churches, specifically in communities that probably won't be as, as served served very well by the Summit Church the way that, that it is.
0: That's really good. Well, that was a great answer, and that was super helpful. If you are interested in anything more from Pastor JD, you can go to jdgreer.com or follow him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Since we talked about church planning, I feel obligated to say, uh, because this is the, the area that I spend the most of my time on, um, Summit does have, I would say, a really unbelievable church planters cohort. Yep. If you want in- more information, if you think God might be calling you to plant a church, you can go to summitcollaborative.org um, and get more information there. And then finally, uh, if you have not been listening to the Unseen Leadership podcast, you should start a podcast for young leaders that explores the unseen stories that have made those leaders who they are today. So they've been interviewing unbelievable people like Derwin Gray, Ellie Holcomb, Matt Chandler. Just look up Unseen Leadership on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. And we'll see you next time on Ask Me.